praise you, Lord. Hallelujah. Thank you, Jesus. Praise you, Jesus. Father, we just thank you tonight for your precious, sweet, holy presence. Lord, we thank you for the witness and the confirmation of the Spirit that we are the children of the Most High God and that you are coming back again. Hallelujah. We thank you for the presence and the reality, the truth of the fact that Jesus Christ is returning. Hallelujah. Lord, have your way tonight in every heart and every mind and every life, Lord God. Touch us by your Holy Spirit in the way that you desire. Move by your Holy Spirit, Lord God. That there would be life in every word, Lord God, for your glory, for your purpose. That you would feed us, your people, Lord God. That we might grow fat in the things of the Spirit and begin to look like Jesus, our Christ, our Savior. Hallelujah. That the things of the flesh would fall away. That the things of this life would become dim. And that the glory and the brightness of our Savior would become so real, so radiant, not only before us, but within us, Lord God. That we would be a light in this dark world. That men and women would flow unto your church, your people, your bride, as it should be, Father. And we do say, come, Lord Jesus, even so. Hallelujah. The Spirit and the bride say, come. In Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Praise you, Jesus. Hallelujah. Hallelujah, hallelujah, hallelujah. Please turn to 2 Timothy chapter 4. Praise you, Jesus. Praise you, Jesus. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Praise you, Jesus. When I was a, a younger Christian, particularly, and still sometimes today, when life gets hard and, and discouragements and circumstances get to be overwhelming at times, there would be a cry in my heart, Lord, I just want to come home. I just want to be with you. Is there some way for me to just get to be with you, to, to, to go home early? And it always come up in my spirit the way to get to him because it's his choosing when a saint goes home and it's his choosing the day that he returns and it would always come up in my spirit just walk just walk just walk towards him that day's coming you want to get to him walk towards him and last night in the prayer meeting the spirit of the lord began to move and i began to see a bright and a shining path lifting off of the earth and going up and over everything and the spirit of God began to remind me that this is the highway the path that his saints are called to walk on though we walk in the earth we're walking in his kingdom we've been given such great spiritual gifts the Holy Spirit the washing of the blood of Christ and then the imparting of the Holy Spirit the wonderful word of God so accessible to us in our country today We've been given such treasure to learn to walk in the high places, and we so often walk in the low places. 
and aren't even on that glorious road that he paved for us of the Spirit, that road of the Spirit. And tonight, I, I felt that the Lord wanted to talk, wanted me to talk to us about the path, the path that we're on, the path that we're supposed to be on as the church. And it's a path that we're all on collectively, and yet we each have our individual path in him that makes us dependent upon him alone. I can't tell you where to turn and what to do and what choices to make, and you can't tell me. I've got to seek his face. But the path always leads to Christ, always focuses on Christ. It's always straight, it's always narrow, and it always goes up and over the circumstances and situations of this life. We will never be past the circumstances of this life. And if we need to sit in a low place and cower and feel sorry for ourselves and say, Lord, as soon as you fix my circumstances, I'll get on that high road, we will never get on that high road. In this world, we will have tribulation. In this world, if somebody else isn't tribulating us, our own flesh can do the job just fine. Amen? I can feel more sorry for myself over something so silly and it's time to grow up church it's time to grow up because that world out there needs to see the light and as long as we're focused on ourselves our situations our problems we will not shine and people will not find their way to christ through us as they should second timothy chapter four again speaking of the path uh we're going to go to verse 6 and Paul is saying to Timothy for I am now ready to be offered and the time of my departure is at hand I have fought a good fight I have finished my course each of us has a particular a specific course to complete to finish there's nobody that's sitting in here that is a certain class of Christian that it's like, well, I'm not, I'm not called like that. I just wake up in the morning and do what I do. And if I get in trouble or I need something, I call on God. And I'm just going to do that until he comes. No, there's a course, there's a purpose, there's a road, there's a path that's specific for each and every child of God. And each of us can miss it on a daily basis or make it. And the only one who really knows is the Lord. And if we're walking close with him like Paul, Paul who knew in his spirit his time was nearing. He knew he's finished his course. Praise God. What assurance. You know, I, when we sing about the Lord coming back, I don't want to hope I'm ready. When, when she was singing that song and I thought, you know, about his return. And we just expect him if we've claimed his name and we've had a salvation experience, we expect him to come back for us. But let's read on here to the next verse and see what it says. Verse 8, Henceforth there is laid up for me a crown of righteousness, which the Lord, the righteous judge, shall give me at that day, and not to me only, but unto all them also that love his appearing. If you don't have love his appearing underlined in your Bible, please do so. I remind myself of this verse often because I can easily get away from 
loving him, loving his appearing, treasuring it, wanting it, desiring it. The spirit and the bride say, even so, come, Lord Jesus, come quickly. Paul told Timothy that a good soldier doesn't entangle himself with the affairs of this life. But he's obsessed about pleasing the one who's called him to be a good soldier. And if you think that because you had a salvation experience that you cannot fall out of love with the things and the passions of God that you are supposed to, just read in the book of Revelation and see what Jesus Christ sends the message to the church of Ephesians. You've left your first love. So we need to uh, hold this scripture up as we see the day approaching to love his appearing. I think of the, I was thinking of the Lord coming back when she was singing that song, and I thought, are we on the path that's facing him? Are we running towards him? Are we even walking towards him? Are we crawling towards him? Or do we turn around and get all entangled with the affairs of this life, and like he said of Israel of old, they've turned their back on me and went away backwards from me. When he comes, will he find faith on the earth? We want to be in that group that is, that is looking towards him, walking towards him, reaching towards him, desiring him. And as we go on to the next verse, verse 9, do thy diligence to come shortly unto me, he says to Timothy. And then he says, because Demas has forsaken me, having loved this present world. So I put a little arrow between verse 7 and verse 10. We see Paul declaring, I've finished my course. I've done everything that the Lord has put before me to do to the best of my ability. How beautiful is that? Romans says that there's now no condemnation to them that walk after the Spirit, walk in the Spirit. That's what we're seeing right here. He's not condemned because he knows he followed the Spirit. When you go to the book of Acts, even in, even in good things, because we can be so so sloppy in our Christianity and our spirituality that as long as it looks Christian, as long as it seems good, I'm in the will of God. Well, am I? Paul wanted to go to Asia, but he didn't just go. He sought the Lord and the Holy Ghost said no, and Paul walked close enough to the Lord to hear him and to obey him. So then he said, I'm going to go to Bithynia or somewhere, and, and the Holy Ghost said no. And so he didn't go, and he waited, and then he had a vision of a man in Macedonia that said, come over here. And he knew he was being directed by the Holy Ghost on his course. Nobody else could hear from uh, God for Paul. And even when prophets came into his life, he had to confirm in his own heart with God. And he didn't always take their advice. He had his path, his course. You and I each have our course. And uh, we need to raise our standard. I need to raise my standard of understanding that and not let days go by end on end of me waking up and doing what I want to do. And then on a day I feel spiritual, I say, well, do you have a course for me today, God? Every day of my life since I've been washed in the blood belongs to him. And every day of my life before I was washed in the blood belonged to him. I just didn't know it and I stole him. I wouldn't have a breath, you wouldn't have a breath, I wouldn't have a hand or a foot or an eyeball or a mouth to eat with or lungs to breathe with if God didn't give them to me. If God didn't give them to us, he, he has 
ownership of us, but yet he doesn't take it by force. We have to yield our members to him. We have to yield our life to him, and now that is sweet-smelling to the Lord. That is love. That ministers to the heart of God who gave us a free will, and we can say, no, I'm not going to serve you, or here I am, God. And that's what he loves. His attention is so on you and I every day, what Sister Gretchen said. He doesn't forget us. We're engraven on the palm of his hands. Hallelujah. How he loves us, how he focuses on us. And sometimes it's like we run here, we run there, we run everywhere to make ourselves feel good and have comfort. And the whole time the Lord has everything we need. And he waits for us to get tired of being tired and, and, and empty as empty can be before we finally get a clue and say, Oh yeah, I have a God in heaven with riches and treasures to pour upon my hungry, thirsty soul. Hallelujah. Those that love his appearing. You will not love his appearing if you don't walk with him every day. This heart of ours will grow cold and we will be Demas instead of Paul. Demas walked with Paul. Judas walked with Jesus Christ. It's our focus. It's our determination. Now listen, none of this can be done without the Holy Ghost. The Holy Ghost is the life-giving power but we have the power to yield to him or not to yield to him and I tell you what if we ignore him we're not going to be yielding to him so the kind of Christianity that says well I live by grace so I'm just good with God just because I am that's not accurate the Holy Ghost is wanting to speak to guide to direct to nurture to empower to strengthen to convict every day of our lives You read those Psalms and see David, especially Psalm 119, how he pours his heart out in prayer, crying out to God, show me your precepts, show me your path, lead me in the way everlasting, crying out with all his heart. He said, you're going to hear my voice in the morning. He didn't take God for granted. He didn't take God's Holy Spirit for granted, and he had God's Holy Spirit. He cried out. And I'm trying to wake me and us up because the enemy and the flesh would like us to just be asleep in this phony, fake Christianity that just says, I am a Christian just because I am, and that's, I don't think much more about it than that. I just ask God for stuff, but I forget about what he wants to do in me and through me. And worship and praise, that is a really good gauge. Uh, When Gretchen spoke on praise the other day, That is a good thermometer of, are we walking with Christ? Are we in love with him? If there's no praise coming out of our hearts and out of our mouths, we're sick Christians. There's something wrong with us. We need to go to Dr. Jesus and get fixed. That's not normal behavior for a healthy Christian. You know, she talked about even the birds wake up and praise him and the trees clap their hands and the planets obey him and do that and the the ocean stays unless God removes his hand. We're the rebellious ones in all of God's creations, his own children made in his own image. We're the ones that it's hard to get to come in line. And part of that is, is because it is up to us. The power of the Holy Ghost is present. It's available 
but we have to seek, pursue, yield. Okay, let's go to um, Proverbs chapter 4. And we're going to look at the words of Solomon, the one who had it all, the one who experienced wisdom, power, wealth, uh, favor, persuasion, international notoriety, fame, beyond any human being that's ever lived, more than likely. And what does he say to his own child? Having experienced everything good and bad. And he was a big sinner, too. He had a bunch of foreign wives he wasn't supposed to have. And he said he was going to try it all, do it all. Some of us have been of that nature. I need to see what's out there, experience it all. And then like Solomon, we come to the end of it and say, it's all vanity. We, like Adam and Eve, find out it's all death. There's a way that seems right unto man, but the end thereof is death. So um, in Proverbs chapter 4, let's start with verse 10. Solomon speaking to his son, Hear, O my son, and receive my sayings, and the years of thy life shall be many. Can you imagine what was in this man's heart? How he wished he could convey to his child, Don't go where I went. Don't make all the mistakes I made. And then the Holy Ghost has recorded these words for us so we can glean from this man's experience. Verse 11, I have taught thee in the way of wisdom. I have led thee in right paths. When thou goest, thy steps shall not be straightened, and when thou runnest, thou shalt not stumble. You could put an if right here, is what he's really saying to his son. Take fast hold of instruction. Let her not go. Keep her, for she is thy life. Verse 13 is very powerful because this is a man that was given more wisdom than any man ever had been given. And yet, he talks about taking fast. That doesn't mean quick. It means like strong, such a strong hold that cannot be shaken or loosed of instruction. Hanging on to it with force, with grip, with purpose. 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 Every one of the, what, three kings that did right before God in the age of the kingdoms purposed in his heart to serve God. It doesn't happen by accident. It doesn't happen by having a salvation experience, and it doesn't even happen by coming to church three times a week. We have to be so desirous, so determined above everything else in our life to hold fast to the instruction of God. Don't let her go. Keep her, for she is thy life. And how many brothers and sisters have we seen that just let go a little, that just get off a little, that try to hold truth in one hand and the pleasures of the world in another hand, and before you know it, and it happens so slow like that frog boiling in the water, and they can't see it. And before they know it, they've been blinded like Samson. Their hair has been cut. The Holy Ghost is gone. Their eyes are blinded. They're tied up. And they're serving the devil, and they don't even know it, except somebody intercede. They will stay that way. We don't play with the flesh, with the sin, with the devil, with the spirit of the world. 
I just think of Eve right now, right in the heart of the garden of God, right under God's nose, but that will of ours, so deceived by her blessings and her relationship with God that she thought she could follow this temptation and live. She did not know death. She did not know what it was to be apart from God or to lack any good thing. And that's how we are sometimes. We're so comfortable with the blessings in the life of God that we don't hate sin. We're not afraid of sin. We're not afraid of compromise. We don't understand the wicked one. And I, and I find a lot of my friends in the South that we've uh, ministered with and stuff, and they were raised in the church and raised in generational Christianity. And so many of them became so upset with their parents. They didn't let us do this. They didn't let us do that. They didn't let us do anything, you know. And they were just religious. And now those, those people are adults, and they've decided that everything their, their parents taught them was just religious. And now they're all getting divorces, and their marriages and their families are falling apart because they were smarter than the wisdom of God. Because they saw people that seemed like they were doing it, it seemed like it's all working. It seems like I can go clubbing and go to church. You know? It seems like I can watch everything on TV and go to church, and I'm not going to change. And it's a lie. It's an absolute lie. What we see, where we go, it will affect us. There is a spirit of light and a spirit of darkness everywhere we go and on everyone we encounter. And there is one path, and it's straight and it's narrow. And when we are to encounter the world and the children of darkness, just as we were children of darkness, but we do it as an ambassador of Christ, we do it in the fear and the admonition of God, understanding those people aren't there for me to, to, to have relationship with for my pleasure, for me to take something. They're there for me to shine the light on, for me yeah. to give, for me to pour out, for me to be rejected if I need to be rejected. To use another human being for our own pleasure and forget our responsibility is a great sin. And in a small town like Bishop, that's easy to do. Because we know everybody and everybody knows us and it's easy to just interact, you know. Go get my hair cut every week and forget that person has a soul that God wants me to touch and care about. Um, so let's go back to where I'm supposed to be. I went off there. Um, Verse 14, enter not into the path of the wicked, go not in the way of evil men. Now Solomon did it all, and he didn't say to his son, be careful when you hang out with the wicked and go on their path. Keep your eyes open. Don't do it too much. No, he said, enter not into the path of the wicked, go not in the way of evil men men. Avoid it. Pass not by it. Turn from it and pass away. All acts of the will of intelligent uh, decision making. For they sleep not except they have done mischief and they, their sleep is taken away unless they cause somebody to fall. Now a young person would say, oh no, no, they're, they're nice. They're good. They're, that's not true. Solomon understood everybody's a child of the light or the child of the darkness. And I used to be a child of the darkness. And I know what it is to want to see people 
fall because of the darkness that was in me. If there was somebody that had a light of God around me, it's like, here, drink this. Here, try this. Here, snort this. Something in me wanted to make them fall, and it was that spirit of darkness because I had given myself to darkness. The devil does what the devil does. Darkness does what darkness does. Darkness doesn't do light things. It could pretend. Here, take this because it's so fun, and you're going to be happy and feel good. He comes as an angel of light. That's pretty poor, but people fall for it. Um, there's a lot trickier angel of light stuff than that. But for a young person, verse 17, for they eat the bread of wickedness and drink the wine of violence. But the path of the just is as the shining light that shineth more and more unto the perfect day, that perfect day being what they sang about a little while ago, Christ returning. So here is a good check for us. Our path, the path of the just, is supposed to be shining, but not just shining. It's supposed to be shining more and more. And did you know that in the spirit there is no stagnant? If you think you can coast, you're not coasting. You're going downhill instead of uphill. If that salmon quits fighting the current to go uphill, guess where it's going? If it just relaxes on its inner tube and gets something to drink, it's going downhill. Hmm. It's, see, it's a fight, but it's a fight of the spirit. And we have to cry out to God. We've got to spend time on our knees to learn how to fight in the spirit and not fight in the flesh. These things are learned. The Bible is full of teach me, I'll teach you, learn, I'll show you, I'll guide you, I'll lead you. He teaches us, but we have to be willing to learn. We've got to get in the school. Andrew Murray's books, you know, in the school of prayer and those are great, but he understood it's a process, and it? it's a school, but it's not for those that never show up to class. And the class is with the Holy Ghost in the Word. I don't, I don't enter into real prayer that I don't end up in the Word, and I don't go into the Word with the Holy Spirit that I don't end up in prayer and praise. They're one. And this is life. This is life. This is what Solomon taught his son, and he told him, hang on to it with all your might. It is your life. There is no other life but this word, and if you don't love it and it's difficult for you, you better learn to love it. You better cry out to God to give you a heart and a mind to love it, and he will because we believe that what it says is true. I might not feel it. Some days I might read it and not feel it. doesn't matter. It's my life. If I don't drink water for three days, I'm going to die. If I don't read the word, you know, water, some of you might not like water, but if you don't drink it for three days, you're going to die. Or a liquid with lots of water in it. Um, but the best, the best water is water without all the stuff that does negative things to you. And it's the same with the word. We want the word with some excitement, with some entertainment, with some diversions, you know, with some... Holy Ghost fireworks and whatever. Whatever the Holy Ghost does is up to the Holy Ghost. 
And one thing I can warn you is don't ever try to manipulate the Holy Ghost and start directing him, telling him what to do. Oh, God, give me a word. Oh, God, um, move in this way, God. You will find yourself communing with a dark spirit. God is sovereign. Our job is to yield. We learn to recognize him. We learn to flow with him. But only he knows what is needed. So our light is, our path is supposed to be shining more and more. Now, if our path, if you picture a path, because that's the language that's being used here, a path out in front of you getting brighter and brighter, what does that mean? That means we should be able to go faster, to be more sure-footed, to be more mature in our walk. Not, not hobbling, not crawling like an like a infant, not falling every other day because we don't see very well, we should become strong and mature, walking in strength, walking in might, walking in power as we push and press towards Christ. Verse 19, the way of the wicked is as darkness. They know not at what they stumble. When I read that, that made me think of Paul on the road to Damascus. He was on the road of darkness, the road of wickedness, off to persecute God's people. And he had an encounter, and he switched roads that day and never went back. And he pressed on that bright and shining road the rest of his life until we get to where we read, I'm about ready to offer up. I've finished my course. And the grace of God, you know, he said he's a sinner above all sinners, that he could be on the most wicked path that a person could be on, And then God plucked him up and put him on the bright, shining path. And he said things like, you know what? I'm going to fight with all my might to please God because the blood that was shed for me, the grace that was given for me, I don't ever want it to be thought that any of it was wasted, but that I was poured out in love and service for my Lord. And we can all say the same thing. It cost Christ the same thing for me in his blood and suffering as it did for the Apostle Paul, or for each one of you, the price that he paid. Verse 20, my son, attend to my words, incline thine ear. You can circle number one, an ear, and put number one. Incline thine ear unto my sayings. uh, That was verse 20, I'm sorry, verse 21. Let them not depart from thine eyes. You could circle eyes. Missed eyes. Keep them in the midst of thine heart. For they are life unto those that find them, and health to all their flesh. Keep thy heart with all diligence, for out of it are the issues of life. Put away from thee a forward mouth. You can circle mouth. Perverse lips put far from you. Let your eyes, you can circle eyes, look right on. Let thine eyelids look straight before thee. Ponder, you can circle ponder, and I wrote on the uh, margin, mind. Ponder represents the mind and the emotions. Because so many of us, our thoughts are ruled by our emotions. Our emotions take us down dark, sad, depressing, stupid, whatever, meandering thoughts. Because our emotions are in control when they're not supposed to be a lot of the time. Ponder the path of thy feet and let all thy ways 
be established. That was quite a list to get to your ways being established. Verse 27, turn not to the right hand nor to the left. Remove thy foot from evil. And I circled foot. So um, if you start in, uh, you can start with um, verse 23 because he repeats uh, ears, eyes, and heart twice, which is notable that he says those three twice. Keep your heart with all diligence, for out of it are the issues of life. He first talks about your ears. The gospel first comes in through the ears, the hearing of the gospel. You know, that's where our faith comes from, right? Faith comes by hearing and hearing by the word. Um, what we hear can take us off the path. We need to guard our ears. If we're listening to the wrong thing, we're not listening to the right thing. He told him to attend to his words, purposely pay attention to the word of God and the word of wisdom. Not when it happens to come by, you purposely focus on it. And you purposely don't hear what you know you don't need to hear because it pulls down your spirit and it's uh, against the word of God. Um, don't let the words depart from your eyes. So there's a negative and a positive. Because if you're not looking at the word, if you're not keeping it before your eyes, he told them in the Old Testament, put it on the doorpost, put it on your gates, put it on your hand, put it on your forehead. So all throughout the day, you're reminded because of our nature to look at the word of God. But if we're not looking at the word of God, we're looking at something else. Um, ponder the path of your feet. You don't just let your feet go wherever. If we, if we walked without thinking, we'd be walking into walls and falling, which I do that kind of stuff. But Because um, <laughs> I'm off in my mind a lot of times. But ponder the path of our feet, our spiritual steps in this life, our Christian steps, our choices, where we go. We don't just get up and let our feet run off. We need to be diligent, especially as times get harder. You think of our persecuted brothers in other countries. They don't get up and just say, hey, I feel like going here, I feel like going there. They get up and say, oh God, lead and guide me, my husband, my children today, and protect us from evil, protect us from the wicked one. Show us where to go, show us where to step, show us what to do. And if you've ever had a day that you prayed like that, and you find yourself witnessing to people, and you find everything going right, and you find, you know. And we need to learn to do that all the time. Amen. See, because we're like AWOL from the army of God. Have to, I love what Pastor Stan said the other day. We're like um, bipolar Christianity. <laughs> right? One day we're super Christian, and the next day we're like, oh, yeah, I'm a Christian. You know, just doing my thing here. And it's difficult because of the freedom and the blessing that we have. Historically, it's difficult for human beings from Adam and Eve in the garden to the children of Israel in the time of the judges when they came into the promised land. It is historically difficult for human beings to serve God passionately like we're supposed to when things are going good. 
And so it's something we need to know about ourselves and we need to create discipline for ourselves. I've told you guys this before, but I'll tell you again. Um, one of the Chinese church leaders um, was interviewed by a Westerner and he said, he said, then this man had done many years in prison and had been beaten and had suffered all kinds of persecution. And he was a house church uh, leader, elderly and dearly beloved by the people there. And his story had gotten out to the West. And so he was being interviewed and he said, what would you say to the church in the West, Europe, America? And um, he said, uh, he, the mindset of the interviewer was like, you know, we, we're so like prosperous and awesome and we're changing the world and we send missionaries everywhere, you know, us in the West. And that's how we see ourselves like the Lady Ocean Church. And Jesus looked at them and said, you're poor and wretched and blind and naked. I was listening to, I'll get back to that, but I was listening to one of the Chinese church leaders the other day on a, a recording that I found online, and I had read his book, and um, he was saying, you know, in China, we don't have any big preachers. You know, oh, I'm sick, I need to go to that healing preacher. Oh, I'm, you know, I need money, I need to go to that, you know. He said, when someone in China that's a Christian needs something, they get on their knees and say, oh, Jesus, Jesus, Jesus. The focus is Jesus. He's the healer. He's the provider. He's the king and the Lord and the mighty one and the special one. He's the only star. But this brother, this house church leader said that, because uh, he, he was telling him how that we over here kind of feel sorry for them and, and in China. And he said, the truth is, he said that, we pray for you in the West, our brothers and sisters, because you're so prosperous and so free that you're so distracted from the Lord. And he said, when I went into prison for my faith, he said, that was my honeymoon with Jesus Christ. All I had was Jesus. And he said, you in the West have to build your own prison if you want to have a honeymoon and really know your Jesus. And that's kind of what I'm talking about tonight. You know, I know that this group of people is a hungry, thirsty group of people that has a desire to go on higher with the Lord. Um, so... You know, this, this reminds me of the, of the New Testament. Go to Hebrews chapter 12, please. All that we just read from Solomon about our eyes and our heart and our mouth and pondering where we put our foot. Paul told us to keep our flesh under, that we're not uh, debtors to the flesh but to the spirit, to uh, not render our, our yield our members to unrighteousness. These are our members, our eyes, our heart, our mouth are given to us to have control over. I'm talking and not finding Hebrews. Does somebody want to read for me Hebrews um, chapter 12, verse 13? So again, an act of the will, make straight paths for your feet. He said, you decide where you put your foot. Don't turn to the right, don't turn to the left, and remove your foot from evil. 
make straight paths for your feet. It's going to cost something. It's always going to cost something. I remember when I was first saved and I, I was in such a place. I was in a place of zeal, but I was also in a place with the Lord where he was delivering me from a lot of things. And I needed to be obedient. And he asked me to do some things that were hard, but I knew I needed deliverance. And I wanted him more than I wanted anything. And there was times when, you know, go to a Thanksgiving dinner with a bunch of family that doesn't know the Lord. And the Lord says, don't eat. I want you to go outside and pray. Like, how do you explain that? And sometimes I obeyed him and sometimes I didn't. And when I didn't, I found out that was him. I should have obeyed him. To walk in the spirit, there will be persecution, there will be difficulty, just like there was for Jesus. Um, my middle daughter, Michael, always gets a kick out of Jesus because uh, when he would heal on the Sabbath day, I'm not sure, you know, if she's right, but it made her laugh because she said he did it on purpose. He did it just to irritate them. He didn't have to do it on the Sabbath day. He didn't have to do it right in front of them. You know, he knew how they were going to react, and she just, she, that cracked her up. Um, but, if we're, and he, but he would say to them when they would challenge him, hey, I don't do anything except what I see my father do. I, I just do what he tells me to do. If you don't like it, you don't like him. Um, what time is it? 730. <laughs> um, shining more and more. Let's go to Luke chapter 11, verse 2. When they asked Jesus how to pray, we're all familiar with this, but let's read it anyways. And he said unto them, when you pray, say, Our Father which art in heaven, hallowed be thy name, thy kingdom come, thy will be done, as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread, forgive us our sins, as we also forgive everyone that's indebted to us. Lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For thine is the kingdom, the power, and the glory, it says in the others. But um, I wanted to see, use this one because it ends with, Lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. So we brought out what to do in the Proverbs there, and the letters in the New Testament are full of what to do and what not to do, but it's got to be done by the Holy Ghost, and it's got to be done in prayer. Even Jesus went out early in the morning, stayed up late at night, praying, seeking the Father before another day of ministering. We need to pray this. Lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. This is a pretty short list. And when's the last time we prayed it? Don't lead me into temptation. Deliver me from evil. What what I'm trying to bring out with this is We need him by the Holy Ghost to lead us on this path. We cannot just do it by our understanding of the word and by our will. We need him to enlighten us and to lead us on this path. We need to ask for it. 
Take me on your path. Don't let me walk in the path of temptation. Deliver me from evil. Remember he told, we won't turn there, but he, Jesus told Peter on the night that he was uh, taken. He said, come on, you guys, and pray with me. Peter had just declared, I'm ready to go. I'm ready to die with you, Lord. And he said, come on, guys, and pray with me. And Jesus went off by himself. He was in great agony. He came back. All his buddies were sleeping. And, he's, and he told him, you know, come on, get up and pray. He did that three times. But he singled out Peter. And he said, Peter, pray that you enter not into temptation. Because the spirit is willing, but the flesh is weak. And so we need that. We need that prayer. We need that crying out. Um, turn to Psalm 5, please. Praise you, Jesus. Psalm 5, uh, we'll just, let's see. We'll start with verse 1. Give ear to my words, O Lord. Consider my meditation. Hearken unto the voice of my cry. You know what I like? Consider my meditation. Do you know what that means? That means that David understood that the thoughts of his mind were always viewed by God and available to be viewed by God. How often do we think that our thoughts and our mind are our own? You know, and we just let our mind go wherever and, you know, um, if, we, if we think more about the words we let escape, which is good, we need to watch what we say, but we need to watch what we think. God's watching what we think. And what we think will get into our heart and plug up those issues of life that make us shine and make our path shine. And when that life, which is light, Jesus, the light of the world and the life of the world, without that, we can't see clearly on the path, nor do we have the, the spiritual strength that spiritual strength, the spirit is willing, but the flesh is weak. We need so much spiritual strength to come out of that well that it overpowers the flesh. That's God's recipe, the spirit overpowering the flesh, the spirit putting the flesh to death. Nothing, this is really stupid, but I think of the old Dracula things, right? Nothing could kill him but that stake, what was it, a silver stake or whatever? Nothing could kill our flesh but the Holy Spirit. Walking in the spirit, the life of the spirit, and the spirit and the word are one. They agree in one. So without a vivacious life in the word and the spirit, if we think we're not going to walk in the flesh and our flesh isn't going to be all alive and doing its thing and leading us everywhere and telling us this is Christianity, we're deceived. We have got to crucify it daily. Daily. The flesh does not get tired of rising up. It's a horrid, wretched thing. It is like a true nightmare because every day you wake up, it's like, man, I thought I put you under. You're dead. And you have to remind it that it is through the power of the word and the power of the spirit. How many of you have been in situations where it's like a hard situation and everything in you wants to act? 
in a certain way. And you can find scripture for what you want to do. Right? But is that what the spirit is leading? <laughs> so that's what I'm talking about, growing up and being able to discern between flesh and spirit, joints and marrow, by his word, by his spirit. Um, so my verse 3, my voice shalt thou hear in the morning, O Lord, in the morning will I direct my prayer unto thee and will look up. We have to become diligent to starting with God, to starting with looking to him, not presuming and assuming that he's going to be there and he's going to bless our day, and we go off on our own. Jesus said, everybody who wants to come after me, take up your cross and follow me. Take up your cross daily and follow me. If we're not following him, we're not following him. If we're not stopping to look up to ask, how are we going to follow him if we're not following him, if we're not looking at him, if we're not thinking about him, if we're not, you know, <laughs> if we're not following him? And the Lord was showing me that one day in prayer, how we are. It's like, here's this path, and it's bright, and it's beautiful, and he's on it, and people take a couple steps, and then... <laughs> and it's like he showed me this in prayer. Here's yeah. Jesus on the path. And his people are just like scattered all over the place, like sheep. They tell me sheep are stupid. And he likens us to sheep, that the shepherds always got to be pulling on them and going and gathering them. And, you know, how many times have you driven down the road and you see some little sheep like, how did you get there? You know, off on some cliff, stuck between a fence, you know. <laughs> and it's like, how did you even get there? And um, that's how we are. And we have got to follow him closely because the funny thing is when we get off we don't go oh Jesus I'm a little off here come back for me uh, show me which way to go no we start running around frantically you know trying to and then by the time he comes we're cut up with bob wire and dirty and because we can't get ourselves out of it once we're in it we need his help we need his direction Verse 8, lead me, O Lord, lead me, O Lord. This is King David. Lead me, O Lord. This is King David who was a shepherd, the mighty psalmist, the one who knew the presence of God, the one who would be king and probably was king when he wrote this. Lead me, O Lord, the humility. Oh, my gosh, everything starts with humility. The fear of the Lord is the beginning of wisdom. We're his people. We're the sheep of his hand. If we don't get that, if we don't have humility, he's God and I'm not, we're not going to get very far in the things of God. Lead me, O Lord, in thy righteousness because of mine enemies. Make thy way straight before my face. Make it plain for me. Make it easy for me, Lord. Don't let me go off. Show me. I'm looking. I'm asking. Lead me. Guide me. Verse 12, for thou, Lord, will bless the righteous, thou wilt, with favor wilt thou compass him as with a shield. When we're on that bright and shiny path, we are covered with a shield round about, before, behind, underneath, over, inside, outside, when we're on that path. Does that mean that nothing bad is going to happen? Absolutely not. It does mean that we're going to be seen, the light will be seen, 
we will be having an impactful and an effective Christianity. But should something come against us that the Lord allows, you look at Stephen. You know, Marty preached about it the other night. So powerful, preaching the word of God, so caught up in the word of God, and they wanted to kill him. They did kill him because of the word of God. But they said that his face shone like an angel. The heavens opened up. He saw Christ. That shield was around him even as his body was being hit with stones. Jesus said, don't fear those that can kill the body. Fear him who's able to kill both the body and the soul and cast you into hell. Hmm. There's no way to have that kind of faith, that kind of presence, that kind of relationship without being on that bright and shiny path. God help us if we're off wandering in a ditch somewhere off the path on the day that we should be challenged for our faith as those in the Middle East are being that are Christians. No power of the Holy Spirit, no anointing resting on us starving, withered, spiritually weak, and somebody says, are you ready to die for your faith? That's reality. We never know when, when such things could happen. Or the lady who's going to go to jail because she, for conscience sake, wouldn't do what they wanted her to do. I mean, a conscientious decision. She didn't hurt anybody. She didn't do something horrible or heinous. And they hate her so much because they're full of darkness that they want to put her in jail and make an example out of her. You Christians better learn to accept our sin and quit calling it sin. You better learn to say that evil is good and good is evil or else. What would we do? What would we do really? You know, is she going to go in jail and lose her job and lose her house? Does she have children? I don't know. It's costing her something. But, brothers and sisters, it's time for us to begin to walk in the spirit, to walk on that path. And we have to remind ourselves every day because of the stinky, creepy flesh that uh, is still there. But the spirit is greater. The word is greater. God's ears are open to our cry. His arm is not short. His eyes always see us. He loves us. He loves us. And he said, it's his good pleasure to give us the kingdom. So our shallow walks certainly aren't his fault. The riches, the depths, the glory of his kingdom is available to each one of us. So let's, let's go up higher. Amen. Praise you, Lord. Father, we just thank you for your word tonight. We thank you for every page, every letter, every word, Lord. Oh, God, stir up a deeper hunger inside of us, Lord, that we would so delve into the pages of your word. Make them alive to us by the Holy Ghost, Lord, until we lose our taste for the things of this world that merely entertain and the froth and the fluff and the the sugar-coated nothingness lord god 